You're listening to episode 211 of IDRA Class Notes. Students are not blank canvases when they come into the classroom. You can't have one practice that you feel like is going to relate to all students, but you must be sensitive to the prior knowledge students bring, the experiences and backgrounds that they bring to the classroom, and use your instruction to affirm that culture, but also to develop their own critical consciousness so that they'll be aware of the issues these marginalized groups of color face. Hello, I'm Altheria Caldera. I'm an Education Policy Fellow with IDRA, and today I'm here with the IDRA Class Notes podcast, having a conversation with Allie Babineau. And I'm going to start by asking Allie to introduce herself, and then we'll have a conversation about what I consider equity-related pedagogies and how we have arrived to use the terms that we use to describe the work that we do. So I'll turn things over to Allie for just a second to tell us who she is and how she came to this work. Thank you, Altheria. So again, I'm Allie Babineau. I feel like I have a complicated name that reflects the complicated cultures that are a part of my family. So I get to serve the community as an assistant professor of bilingual and ESL education, teaching pre-service teachers and in-service teachers, as well as engaging in research that I hope affects our communities, and then in turn informs the kind of service and teaching that we do at the university level. Thank you. So I'll start by telling you a little bit, Allie, about the term that introduced me to this work. I was, before attending graduate school to get my doctorate degree, I was interested in how to better prepare teachers to serve Black and Brown students well. And I came across this term, culturally relevant pedagogy, and it was an idea, a theory about teaching related to how to teach in a way where black and brown students could be successful. And I was attracted to that idea because I wondered what was the role of teachers in bringing about success, academic success for students of color. So Gloria Ladson-Billings is the person who um, introduced me to this term through her scholarship. It was culturally relevant pedagogy. And then as I began to read more about it and do more research on this topic, I stumbled upon the term culturally responsive pedagogy. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, I used those two terms interchangeably. I -hmm. didn't know that there was a difference in the two. So how did you come to these terms and which one? Which door did you come through? Yeah, I love how you position that because I think it really highlights how it is both our personal and our professional experiences that co-naturalize with our understandings of education and then, again, how we educate. So for me, I'm one of the oldest two of 10 grandchildren as second-generation Mexican-American. Only two of the 10 grandchildren speak Spanish. And so from my personal family life, I saw how in one generation, Spanish was lost. And to a degree, parts of our cultures. 
So being in love with my cultures and languages, I studied both in college, but it was really after sneaking one of my sister's textbooks from her Mexican-American history class that I learned about the plight of Mexican-Americans' education. And what I saw was from a programmatic perspective that if the status quo continued, Mexican-American students would continue to underperform all other groups. And it was almost like an instant epiphany that was um, a jolt to my heart when I realized my experience was so antithetical to the majority in my group. And I almost instantly looked back over the course of my life, flashing before my eyes, seeing it was a series of systems that set me up for success. It wasn't just my hard work, like many would say in my first generation family, that they achieve the American dream. And so I came through it through that book. It's called Subtractive Schooling by Angela Valenzuela. And then my mom was working on her master's at the time. So I sneaked another book that she had called Critical Pedagogy from Paulo Freire, who's a Brazilian theorist and academic known for his work in having school in literacy practices that truly reflect the needs of the community and work in concert with the community to be change makers. So it was through critical pedagogy that I entered the door and honestly had kept walking and even running ever since. You know, I want to follow up on something you just said. You mentioned two terms. You mentioned Mexican-Americans and you mentioned culture. Will you comment on whether those two are the same to you? How do you see Mexican-American? Do you see the Mexican-American as a race or as a culture? And how do you distinguish? (laughs) You don't have time to go into (laughs) Because you'll notice I also used African-Americans when I talked about my work or Black people, when I talked about my work and coming into this idea of preparing teachers for Black and Brown students. So let's just talk for a second about the idea of culture. Sure. So I think it's helpful to remember that there is the folk version or what people say and use in everyday life. And then there's the academic definition. And so I think the academic definition of culture is a series of practices held by a group that endures over time, but it's also dynamic and that it's changing. And so Mm. it has this tension of being both static staying the same and ever changing. And with that, there's beliefs, practices, including language. I'm thinking even patients. Oh, for sure. And so with that understanding, I would say Mexican American is mostly an amalgamation of cultures, specifically at the border or in Nepantla from our favorite theorist, Gloria Anzaldúa. Again, I could go on for hours about it, but I think that's a good start. Thank you. I also was introduced to Paulo Freire early on, too, Mm -hmm. with critical pedagogy as well. And I find that um, most of these other terms that we use are somehow rooted in that work by Paulo Freire. Mm -hmm. A lot of the theorists that I cite often drew upon Paulo Freire's work as well. So tell me, in your scholarship now... Mm-hmm. What term best describe the approaches that you feel are mm-hmm. most empowering for teachers to use with Mexican-American students? 
Yeah. So I think there's like an overall theory and then there's a specific inaction of that. Tell me more. (laughs) So the overall theory, I would still say is critical pedagogy at the core is what he would say is concienciacion or um, critical consciousness that has a two part definition of acknowledging problems tensions or contradictions in society and then acting upon them. And so what I love about it is that it requires language and understanding in community just as much as action on our part. So I think that is a frame that's very helpful for me in my own practice and in fostering spaces for teachers and future teachers um, to engage critically. So comment on critical pedagogy in terms of language acquisition or Mm -hmm. um, maintaining students' languaging practices. Yes, thank you. You're keeping me on track. So that's um, related to what I would say is culturally sustaining pedagogy. So it's culture, so the beliefs and practices of people that sustains. And so what I hear there is that it names, it emphasizes, and it continues through maintenance and continued development. So Mm. most of my work as an educator has been in dual language programs, where the expressed goal is to develop both languages to high degree. So from a critical standpoint, it would be naming and sustaining those, but it would also be naming the social forces that impede that development Mm. um, and how it affects our psychology, our understanding of our identities and our practices. Wow. You said so much there that I, you know, would love for us to be able to have a longer conversation about because I can so relate to that same need for African-American students and their languaging practices that they bring to the classroom. So I'll comment on the term that brought me into this door, culturally Mm -hmm. relevant pedagogy. And the book, I didn't mention the title earlier, but I should, is Successful Teachers of African-American Children by Gloria Latson Billings. So Gloria Latson Billings, when she talks about culturally relevant pedagogy, she says that it must meet three components. The first one is that it must cultivate academic success, that that has to be the goal of it. And the second one, it must encourage cultural competence. And I really appreciate that second one because what she says in this book and many of her later writings is that African-American students should be taught to honor and affirm their culture, Mm -hmm. that they shouldn't come to school and feel as if their culture is marginalized or devalued in any way, that teachers have a role in helping them to affirm or value their culture. And then the third aspect of culturally relevant pedagogy that I appreciate is she says that teachers have a role in doing what Paulo Freire Mm -hmm. said, is developing critical consciousness like helping teach students to identify those institutions and those structures that cause them to be marginalized in some way. And so with that three-pronged approach, I was really drawn to the idea of culturally relevant pedagogy. And then later, here is Django Paris introducing us to the term culturally sustaining pedagogy. Mm -hmm. And one of the major differences that I see in those terms is that Paris really strongly believes in the importance of not just affirming, not just valuing, not just bridging school culture and home culture, but in executing practices 
that sustain, that nurture, that grow students' culture. The example about dual language is a perfect example mm-hmm. of culturally sustaining pedagogy, right? For sure. And so Altheria, we know we can talk for hours and we do, but (laughs) we don't have that time here. What do you think school leaders, teachers and policymakers should take away from this? First of all, that students' cultures do matter and students are not blank canvases when they come into the classroom and that you can't have one practice that you feel like is going to relate to all students, but you must be sensitive to the prior knowledge students bring, the experiences and backgrounds that they bring to the classroom, and use your instruction to affirm that culture, but also to um, develop their own critical consciousness so that they'll be aware of the issues these marginalized groups of color face. What do you think? Like in your work with teachers, what do you hope that they take away? So based on what you said, that sounds a lot like reflexivity to me, which we know as researchers, but I think we can bring to the fore for practicing teachers and leaders. And that's just the continual reflection on our practices and on our systems. And I would say along with that, as we're in our communities, to critically listen and so to really intentionally position ourselves as learners and listeners so that we can historicize or show what are the histories represented here and how are those histories affecting the present and our potential futures together so that we can either focus on healing and integrating our identities or becoming aware of how whiteness and white supremacy, frankly, affects our identity development as teachers and human beings. Just think about what you just said, the importance of teachers healing their identities. And when teachers are able to do that, when they're able to engage in that introspection, when Mm -hmm. they examine themselves, it is then when they're able to help students do the same. It is when they're able to affirm students' culture and to nurture it, to sustain students' culture. But like you said, it starts with that reflexivity. It starts with the self. Yes. And one another, because you're reminding me how much additional nuance and depth, like in our relationship, when we see similarities between the African-American and Mexican-American communities. Absolutely. um, Also legit differences that should be honored that way. And I think flexivity and historicizing allow us to do that. Thank you for having this conversation with me. As you know, we could keep going on because we do do this. We do. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to direct listeners to the IDRA website to learn more about how IDRA encourages this work for educators and the resources they provide and support. You can start by taking a look at IDRA's EAC, EAC South website to learn more about the work that some of the IDRA staff is doing in terms of teacher and administrator training with school districts. But also there will be several companion documents to this podcast that explain in depth some of these terms that we've used today. And thank you. Thank you so much for this. And I appreciate the conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org.
You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.